I, uh, I'm really pleased to be here this morning. It's great to see so many faces, and I feel that my life is in balance now because at Hayes Fork, everyone sits on that side of the church, <laughs> and today they're all sitting on the other side, and so I'm less concerned now that we've thrown the earth out of its orbit. Um, <laughs> Those of you who don't know me, my name is Larry Ice. I just live up around the corner here. And um, I am honored to be able to preach over at Hayes Fork. We have a great group of people there, and uh, we enjoy gathering together. It's just really good to be together today with all of you as well. My text will be uh, found in Colossians chapter 2. So you can turn there. I'm just going to open with a quick word of prayer. God, it is so good to be able to just talk to you. We thank you that we can climb up into the throne of grace and sit on your lap and cast our cares upon you. That you care for us so deeply that you've numbered the hairs on our heads. We thank you that your love is never ending. We thank you for your spirit within us for the new heart that you have given to us. We thank you for the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ because without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. We thank you that it was perfect blood and that it has given perfect forgiveness. We thank you, Father, for your Spirit within us who guides us into all truth. And this morning we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would hear what you have for us. We thank you for the Apostle Paul and the way you inspired him to write to us poor Gentiles who were outside the wall. And we pray that this morning your good news would be heard loud and clear. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, we do that a lot. We ask in Jesus' name because Scripture tells us to pray in Jesus' name and whatsoever you ask in my name, the Father will do it. But it's not some kind of magical incantation. Don't get wrapped up in that. You can talk to God in your car with your eyes open driving down the road and never say in Jesus' name and the prayer can be in His name just as much as if you did. That's free. Um, Let's look at Colossians chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 6. I have notes through verse 17, but I don't know if we'll make it that far. One of the things that I'm famous for is ending up covering only two or three verses. And Darius told me you all like to be out of here before 2, so I figured I may not get that far, but we'll see. For chapter 2, verse 6 in Colossians, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord... So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him, which is the head over all principality and power 
in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or the new moon or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come. But the body is Christ. I'm going to just try to break this down a little bit verse by verse. Let's start back in 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Well, how did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? We received Him by believing. We received Him by faith. We received Him by changing our mind about God and sin and agreeing with what He said that we did sin, that we were sinners, that we were born in sin. We agreed with Him when we said, we, we see that we cannot make ourselves righteous. We have no hope but for You. That's how we received Christ. And what does the Scripture tell us here? So walk in Him. So that's how we go forward in our faith. We don't go forward by trying to do more and be more and work harder than last year and mean it more this year and pray harder and pray more fervently and mean it more when we pray and work up some kind of faith within ourselves. It's not about that. It's about resting in that finished work and letting Him live through us. It's about trusting that the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in us even when we don't see it. It's about faith in Christ as our righteousness. Galatians 3, and verse 2 and 3 says this, This only would I learn of you, this is Paul talking to the people in the church at Galatia, Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Do you see it? You can't make yourself any better. You're as good as it gets. At the core of your being, you are righteous, holy children of God. You can't do anything to improve on that. Think about it for a minute. We talk about in the New Testament all the time how we are in Christ. If you are in Christ, how can you be unholy? How can anything unholy be in Christ? What's more, He is in you by His Spirit. How could that happen? Unless you were compatible with Him. 
Accepted in the Beloved, Scripture says. Back to our text, Colossians 2, verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Okay, I've taken my watch off and put it on the pulpit here. And you know the old saying about that. There was a boy in church has watched the pastor do that. And he said to his dad, Dad, what does it mean when the preacher takes off his watch and puts it on the pulpit? And his father said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, you see, in Hayes Fork, they're a little, a little wiser, perhaps. And they have a clock on that back wall. Actually, it's on the side wall. And that keeps me in line. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> All right, so 7 and 8 we read. Rooted and built up, established in the faith. Don't let anybody spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Boy, there's a lot of stuff going on in those verses in there. Rooted and built up in Christ. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? I spent a lot of years in my life reading every book I could find about how to get to that higher plane of living in faith, that higher level with God, that, that special relationship that all the bishops and deacons and elders always seem to have. You know, you want that relationship that Billy Graham had. You want that relationship that you see in, in these people who we, we lift up and elevate and say, whoa, what a, what a person of God they are. But we are rooted and built up in Him. And we are established in the faith. That's what Paul's saying here. If we go back up, he says, As you've received Christ, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. You've put your trust in Christ alone. There's no question. Oh, sometimes, you know, we doubt. I don't know if you, about you. I've heard some people out west do that though. You know, they're going along through their Christian life and they just doubt from time to time. Truth be known, I've doubted and do doubt. And I think if you don't doubt, you're not really looking at your faith hard enough. You're not really looking to Christ hard enough because there are things you got, you read them in the scripture and they're pretty crazy and you believe them. Like, I don't know. Some guy built an ark when it had never once rained on the planet. Like, um, there was this altar built and water poured all over it and around it. And uh, some people couldn't make anything happen and all of a sudden, woof! Like Daniel was in the lion's den and didn't get eaten. Like, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and came out unscathed. I don't know about you, but I burn wood at home. I rarely come out unscathed. <laughs> we believe a lot of crazy stuff. And yet somehow, somehow, the enemy sits on our shoulder and he whispers in our ear, are you really sure? What if it's not true? But God 
lives inside of us. And you know that you know that you know that it's true. Oh, you may question. You may go back to Scripture and look for more evidence. You may pray. You may ask God. All of those things point to the fact that you know. (laughs) And the Spirit in you points to the fact that you know. Have Have you ever done something or thought something and somehow you've got this sense inside you, mm, that just doesn't feel right. I don't think I should make that decision. That's the Spirit in you. Now, before you were saved, that happened to you too. But you were worried about consequences, right? And you were, and you were concerned about whether you might get caught. Because your old nature, your old self, your old man was geared toward just doing whatever you wanted and not worrying about anything, where your new person, your new man, your new heart, that new spirit God created in you, wants what God wants. So when you're trying to look for something that's not what God wants, it doesn't feel right anymore. It doesn't fit you. You're a child of the King. Matthew 15, 2 and 3 says this, Why do the disciples, this is the... The, the religious leaders of the day asking Jesus, why did the disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered them and said unto them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? You know, this is something we could really stand to examine in the church. I grew up in the Wesleyan church. We don't have that down here much. It's kind of like the Nazarenes. Maybe you know them. Um, I grew up in the Wesleyan church. It's it's called a holiness church. In fact, they merged after uh, I was grown. They merged into uh, another church called the Pilgrim Holiness Church. And it's it's based on on, uh, John Wesley and his teachings and his ideas. It came out of the root of Methodism, but it's... It's a, maybe a more strict and hard-line kind of version. Boy, we had lots of traditions in the church. Some of which turned me in the wrong direction theologically and made me misunderstand and distrust God. It was impossible for me for many years to pray to God and really mean it. Thy will be done. If I was in a situation, things weren't going well, I was hurting. Something was wrong. I wasn't sure I wanted His will because I thought He was bringing that on me to punish me and it would just only get worse because I knew how bad I was. I knew I wasn't measuring up to His standard in the flesh. The things that I did in the world. But that's not God. We had this conversation downstairs in the Sunday school this morning that you know, we talk about God chastens and scourges those He loves and, and what Father doesn't do that and how we look at that. And, you know, it's a big deal because I used to read that and go, oh man, He's just going to whip me. And it does say scourges, doesn't it? But here's the deal. He's not punishing you for things you did in the past. He's training you for things that are coming in the future. He's training you how to trust Him more. He's doing it gently and lovingly and in exactly the way that you need it for your individual self. He created each of you to be completely different than everybody else on purpose. 
Did you ever think about this? When God was creating animals, He said, let there be, let there be, let there be. Right? He just spoke these animals into existence. All the rest of the world. What did He do with man? Man He formed. Humankind He created by building, by making. That's why in Ephesians it says we are His workmanship. Do you know the word behind that in the Greek is poema? <laughs> it's kind of an artistic thing, isn't it? God is that artisan builder who constructs and creates each of us exactly as He wants us to be. With all of our strengths and weaknesses, all of our proclivities, all of our faults, all of those things are part of our personality and part of who we are so that we don't get too cocky. You know, we walk through life realizing, hey, I'm not as good at um, evangelism as this other guy. Or I'm not as good at going out and doing home visits as a lot of pastors and I'm not as good at this, but He made me to do something different. I've told my church before, I have this one job. My job is to edify, to encourage, and to equip the saints. I'm called to the people of God. Everybody does something different. We're all parts of a body. We talked about this a little bit Wednesday night at our church that you know, for a long time we didn't know what the appendix does. <laughs> Right? We used to just kind of lop that thing off whenever it became problematic. We just, yeah, we don't need that. It's some, some crazy thing from evolution probably, right? We don't know what this does. Well, now we know. Turns out it's kind of important. It regulates your gut health by regulating which kinds of bacteria are in there and are they in balance. So whatever part of the body you are, don't think it's nothing. Even if people don't think so. You know, they don't know, but He knows. Alright, that's completely... I do this a lot, this rabbit trail thing. This is why I preach until 4 in the afternoon. Um, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. And then He goes on and He talks about don't let people spoil you through philosophy and vain defeat after the deceit after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And you saw it in Matthew where they were accusing Him of not following tradition. Man, we get too wrapped up in tradition in the church. We really, really do. We need to stop and think about what's really important. Do you know what the word gospel means? Good message or good news. That's why when the angels came to announce the birth of Christ, they proclaimed glad tidings of great joy. Good tidings of great joy. It's good news. Jesus Christ is good news. There has never been better news than Jesus Christ. And there will never be better news than Jesus Christ. If what you're hearing is not good news, you want to check it and see because it's probably not the Gospel. Galatians 1.14 says this, and Paul's talking here about himself, and he said, "...and I profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my Father." Boy, you know, we love to do that in the church. We love to say, that guy, what a man of God because he's so zealous for the traditions. He keeps this church on the straight and narrow. He keeps us in line. He makes sure we don't change anything. And there's the problem. When we start thinking that the traditions are important, 
We start losing the core message of the gospel that it's Jesus Christ that's important. What we're doing here is learning to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We want to know him more because it's all about relationship. As your own motto now says, relationship, not religion. It's not about the doing of things in the right order and in the right way. And as we've always done them. I'm not saying you just got to throw everything out, but I'm saying don't think that that's what it's about. It's about Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, 3-7 says this, So even we, uh, so we, sorry, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Did you know that? You were in bondage under the elements of the world. But, there's that word, but, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law. Why? Because they were in bondage. <laughs> to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Do you know what Abba means? Daddy. You know, they used to say, the preacher needs to be in a suit and tie every Sunday because, you know, and actually everybody, we, when I was a kid, everybody in the church, all the men were in a suit and tie and the women were all dressed up and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, we used to say because, you know, if you went to see the president, wouldn't you dress nicely? And everybody thought, well, how do you answer that? Yeah, probably would. But if the president was my dad, he'd probably see me how I am 90% of the time. Don't get hung up on the traditions of men. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore, now get this, don't miss it, you are no more a servant, but a son. Amen. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Man, that's some good news. Amen. Do you see it? It's not like we're walking around, you know, we read, oh, we're slaves of righteousness, and we are that. But it's not slaves of the kind that are forced into labor. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. If it's not an easy yoke and a light burden, it's not his. You know, we're slaves of righteousness because that's what our new hearts want. Because we are righteous at our core, we cannot, over the long term, act in a way inconsistent with who we are. Yeah, we're slaves of righteousness, but we're not going around serving God because it's our duty. We are obedient from the heart, Paul says in Romans. In Galatians 4, 9-11, this is becoming a Galatians study. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, now, this is an interesting passage right here because, let me finish it. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire to be again in bondage? 
You observe days and months and times and years. Paul says, I'm afraid for you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. You didn't get it. You thought it was all about those things you do. Let me back up now. It says, you have known God, and he goes, or rather, are known of God. And this morning, Brother Gary turned to the perfect passage, and he said this, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, this is Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. You know, we read those things and they sound mighty frightening. He's not talking to you as a believer. And you put the, your finger on it this morning, Gary. He's talking about those who maybe they profess Christ or maybe they sit in the church every week, but whatever, they don't really believe in their heart. And that's the difference. In that instant, that millisecond that you believed in your heart, you were made new. The old man was, we're going to see this, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, was was crucified with Christ, buried with Him, and raised to newness of life with a new spirit and God's spirit inside you. Man, that's huge. Alright, back to our text in Colossians 2, verse 9. For in Him, this is Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Do you realize what happened there? God took on flesh and dwelt among us, is how John says it. Think about that for a minute. The Creator became one of His creatures. Why? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. If mankind sinned, mankind's blood needed to pay that price. So Jesus Christ... God, who became man, fully human and fully God, because He had perfect blood, was able not just to atone and cover your sins. No, no. He went far beyond that. He propitiated your sins. Propitiation is a word we don't use much in the English language. It has only one thing that it means, and we use it only in that context. It means fully satisfying sacrifice. Jesus Christ fully satisfied the wages of sin on your behalf. And you know what you got? The wages of righteousness, which is life. What incredible news! This ought to just be blowing your mind. The deeper you think about it, the more you start to put the pieces together, the greater the news becomes. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Jesus Christ. And yet, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. What does that mean? He laid aside all the cool stuff about being God <laughs> and just walked around being a person. Yeah, but you know, he worked, walked on water and he healed people. Yeah, you know how he did that? By faith. Just like he did everything else. He said, I don't say anything but what he tells me. I don't do anything but what he tells me. He was doing it all by faith, just like he was modeling for us. Walk by faith and not by sight. 
Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. John 1.14 says this, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what Christ is. Grace and truth. Back to Colossians 2 and verse 10. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. John 1.16 tells it this way. He says, Of His fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. In other words, we got grace on top of grace. We not only got our sins forgiven. We love to talk about that, don't we? Oh, at the cross, you know, Jesus' blood paid the price for my sins. He died for me. There's another half to that story. He rose again to give you new life. Now. Not just someday in the, in the far by and by. What good is belief if all it is is for something far off? That's great. It's going to be even better. But it's now He lives in you now. He changes you now. He, he produces His fruit in you now. And you get to just go around and bear it. And it hangs off you everywhere. And it's huge juicy stuff. Even when you don't realize it. 2 Peter 1.3 puts it this way, According to his, as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Did you know you are fully equipped to live a godly life? Now, does that mean you're never going to stumble? No. James says we all stumble in many ways. Doesn't mean you're never going to stumble. Doesn't mean you're not going to do things you shouldn't do. What it means is your record with God is clean and clear. He's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Did you get it? Don't miss it. How did we get everything that pertains unto life and godliness? Through the knowledge of Him. When we came to know Him, this is why we are entreated in Scripture to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of God. It's finding out more and more about who you are and what He's done for you. Back to Colossians 2 and verse 11. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off, pay attention now, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That's a huge statement. Romans 2, 28 and 29 says this, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. That circumcision that's outward in the flesh, that was a token. A token of a contract. A token of a covenant between God and Adam or Abraham and between God and the Israelites. He is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew that is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit and not in the letter. What was the letter? The law. law. Five books. 
in the Torah. 613 things in the mitzvah. Mitzvah means law in Hebrew. That's why when you bar mitzvah children in the Jewish tradition, they bar mitzvah. It means son of the law. In other words, they're now old enough to be responsible for themselves keeping the law. But the law is a unit. If you violate in any one thing, it says you broke all of it. 613. We're not just talking about the Big Ten. Well, nine, because you know the Sabbath. We're still going to cut the grass on Saturday. Oh, what? We don't get to change the Sabbath to Sunday? And we call it the Lord's Day, and it sounds like a tradition of men. I don't want to knock over any sacred cattle. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Philippians 3.3 puts it this way, for we are the circumcision. Do you see it? The Jews always called the Gentiles the heathen and they called themselves the circumcision. What is he saying here? We are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have what? No confidence in the flesh. None. Because we really know. We put confidence in the flesh. We're not going to do too good, are we? Try to be righteous. Just do it. The harder you try, the harder it is. <laughs> I know. I used to live my life like this, like a roller coaster, right? Up and down, up and down. That was my spiritual life. So frustrating. I was like, what is going on? I'd come back and rededicate myself. I'd pray the sinner's prayer again because maybe it didn't work. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. What was wrong with me was I didn't know the Lord well enough. I didn't understand grace. I didn't know what it meant when He said He made me a new creature. I didn't know what it meant when He said He took out my heart of stone and put in that ooey-gooey loving heart of flesh. I didn't know what it meant that it said He will put a new spirit in me and He will give me His spirit. He did all of those things the instant I believed in Him at age 12. But you wouldn't have known it from some of my life periods, I'll tell you. But I believed. No confidence in the flesh because the flesh, man, that's what you're hearing on TV. It's what you see everywhere you go. All the fleshly, worldly system. All of that stuff. That's the flesh. We're not talking about your body. Your body's okay. It's the temple of God. Did you know that? We talk about this being God's house. You're God's house. He lives in you. Your body is the temple of God. Know ye not that he who, who unites himself with the Lord is one spirit with him? That's pretty close. The flesh is all that worldly system that we used to rely on. The ways of thinking, oh, I can do it myself. I'm stronger than this. I know I can do it. I can do it. That's just what the Israelites said when the Ten Commandments came down off Sinai, isn't it? Everything the Lord has said, we will do. They told Him twice. And then they smolted a golden calf. <laughs> I mean, really. That's just the picture of how we were, isn't it? No confidence in the flesh. Romans 6.6, 6, and here it is. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, 
that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You are no longer a slave of sin like you were. You are something new. The body of sin was destroyed because the old man was crucified with Christ. How is that possible? He was crucified 2,000 and something years ago. How could we be crucified with him? We weren't even a twinkle in our ancestors' eyes back then. Because God doesn't live inside the temporal world. He lives outside of time. The constraints of time mean nothing. This is how we can say Jesus Christ was born and died on the cross and His blood atoned and covered and and propitiated and took away our sins 2,000 years ago. And yet, Revelation can tell us He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God sits outside time. That's why pastor is right when he tells you you are forgiven for all of the sins you did in your past right up until you got saved. You're forgiven for all the sins you might do today or are doing right now. And you're forgiven for every sin you will ever commit until you cease to function on this earth. Every last one. Because God's forgiveness only blood takes away sin. It was shed one time. It cannot be shed again because death no longer has mastery over him. (laughs) He's got the glorified body now just like you're going to have one day. Our old man is crucified. Back to our text, verse 12. We actually might not make it. (laughs) It's noon already. Verse 12, Colossians uh, chapter 2. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. Do you see it? There's both, hand, both sides of the cross. You're buried with him through baptism into death, and you're risen with him through faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. You not only died, you not only got your sins forgiven, you were raised to new life, you were made a new creation. Romans chapter 6, 3 and 4. Really powerful verses. And then I think we'll stop. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Those are monstrous, monstrous verses. Huge, beautiful, excellent news that can be yours if you don't believe today. If you believe, that's it. Right there, that's what will happen. But do you see this? We were baptized into Jesus Christ. Now you all are Baptists, I can tell, because you've got the tank back here. And it says Baptist on the door. I catch these clues. I'm quick like that. You were baptized into Jesus Christ. And good Baptists know one thing. They know the definition of the word baptizo in Greek. Baptism means immersed. Now let's not get all hung up on traditions about that. We can talk about that some other time. The fleshly part of that. But let me tell you, baptism, no matter what you say, means immersion. It means immersed. Let's read the passage again. Know ye not that so many of us as were immersed into Christ Jesus... 
were immersed into his death. Doesn't that make it make more sense now? It doesn't have to do with you getting dipped in water later. This is a spiritual thing we're talking about. And what's born of the flesh is flesh. And what's born of the Spirit is spirit. You were buried with Him by baptism into death. Do you see it? That's why immersion is such a beautiful picture. Buried. You're dead. You're underwater where you can't survive. You were buried with Him by baptism into death, by immersion into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should get up out of that tank and walk in newness of life. Because we have a new life, not because we're now going to start behaving ourselves. Because we have no confidence in the flesh. Trying to behave ourselves doesn't cut it. We walk in newness of life because we have new life. You know, we talk so often about, oh, I gave my life to Christ. Well, guess what? You didn't. You didn't have any life to give. He gave His life to you so He could live His life through you. That's the beautiful freedom of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Here it is. Your job is to wake up in the morning and remember who He made you to be. Holy, righteous, blameless children of God. If you don't believe that, read Ephesians. Holy, just the first couple chapters, you'll get it. First chapter even. You're a holy, righteous, blameless child of God. Remember who you are. Now go act like yourself. <laughs> go be yourself. Let God worry about all the bits and pieces and whether they're all falling into place. Don't try to control everything. You can't. Place no confidence in the flesh. Just walk in faith, trusting that He's at work in you because He is. He says He works in all things for good. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God doesn't take back His gifts, it says. What a great God. What amazing news. Do you realize what He's done to you? Do you realize who He's made you? You should walk out of here every time you're here feeling awesome about yourself because of what God has done and allowing Him to just live and work through you while you relax and rest and be at peace knowing all the work is finished. You know, it says in John that a guy, some people came to him and they said, what must we do to work the works of God? Notice it was plural, right? They wanted all the things. Give me a list. And what did Jesus say? This is the work of God. Singular. That you believe on the one He has sent. And then later He says, a new command I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, so ought you to love one another. That's it. That's an easy yoke. That's a light burden. Believe and love. Believe and love. Everything else just doesn't matter that much. If you're doing those things, God is working in your heart to will and to do according to His good purpose. He gives you the want to. You don't even have to work that up. He just... I mean, you know, Virgil, you don't want the same things you used to want when you were a younger man who just wanted to go off his own way. You want new, different things. You want to be righteous. I can tell because you've been so great to our family. It just comes from your heart. It's true of each one of you who is a believer in Christ that that's going to come from your heart. You should expect it. 
Have you ever caught yourself somehow unexpectedly having love for people? You know, you come into the church and you used to just shake hands and now you hug them. And you're like, where did that come from? I was never a hugger. I was like, hand, baby. Let's keep it out there. Now, all I want to do is hug people. I didn't work that up. I didn't try to do that. I never wanted to do that. And then all of a sudden, boom, ask the people from Hayes Fork. I probably hug them more than they want. It's ridiculous. God does that. God changes you. It's not you who changes you. Don't work harder to try to get better. That's a failed system. We proved that in the Old Covenant. Live in the New Covenant. All right. If there are those today who have not yet believed, who haven't yet thought, you know, I guess I could really trust God. I guess maybe He is the one that could make me righteous because I sure think I can't. If there's anybody here like that, I'd invite you to come ahead up here and Darius or I will pray with you. Um, But for those of you who have made that decision, man, don't even think twice. Rejoice. You are a child of the King. Your life couldn't get any better. Let me pray real quick. Father, Your Word is so amazing. It is absolutely incredible. I pray that You would cause us to believe what You said, to take You at Your Word and not to embellish it with our own ideas or our own thoughts or our own traditions, but rather read what You said to understand who You were talking to in the given passage and what the audience was and what the context is so that we get it clear and straight. We don't just grab verses out of context and try to make up a story. But that, Lord, we really believe what you say in Scripture and that you teach us, as you've promised your Spirit would do, that you guide us into all truth. We know that it's happening. We see it in our lives as we change our theology, our understanding. All these things change over the years because we grow in grace and we grow in the knowledge of you. Father, we thank you you've built us this way. We cannot wait until we get to see you as you are and be like you. We simply cannot wait. We pray that you would bless each one that's here, that you would call to their minds all the truth that you've given for them this morning. We ask these things in the matchless name of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.